Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. And give a call. We'll talk about everything from plant selection, what you need to do, the ups and downs and all arounds of your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, your ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, or opinions. It's certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Greg is producing today, so he will be the one who answers the phone. And he'll get your first name and where you're calling from. That's about all you need to do. And uh, during the week, I do something called landscape consulting, which I have named years ago a walk and talk, where I come to your home, I answer the list of questions that you may have related to your landscape. Why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? Why is this so great? But right over here, it's not so great. All those kind of things. And then also, I keep my eyes open for things that may be impacting your landscape that you haven't even considered. So I share 40-plus years of experience as I walk around your yard with you. So I'll walk and talk. And the tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial, one of the things today is there is a Greek fest at the Greek Community Center, which is on the south outer 40 road between Highway 270 and Mason. So there's all kinds of vendors there. There's all kinds of food there. There's all kinds of wine there. There's all kinds of everything there. So the tip of the trial goes out to the Greek Fest, and that's at the Community Center, which is on Highway 40, south outer road, basically between, if you, you know, get off of Mason, you can get on the outer south road, And just head down there and you'll see it. There's all kinds of great stuff going on. And also, November is Epilepsy Month. Epilepsy, well, why is that important to me? Well, I have epilepsy. Back a long time ago in 1998, I had an epileptic seizure on air. And uh, many longtime listeners remember that, where I just, uh, you know, freaked out. At that time, there was a co-host with me, Mr. Bill Reeker. And, uh, wow, I just, like, zoomed out and had this seizure. I didn't even know I had epilepsy. I never had seizures before. But I was having petite seizures prior to that. And what I found out was I was taking some anti-allergic medication for my allergies, nose allergies, that kind of stuff. And then later on they said, well, sometimes people taking this can get seizures. I didn't know that at the time, or I just figured it, that couldn't be me. 
But anyway, so anyway, 1998. So next year, it'll be next February. It will be 20 years since I had my grand mal seizure. I sort of woke up when they stuck me in an ambulance and took me down to SLU. So now every year I go for my annual checkup with the neurology department at SLU and uh, take the medication. So anyway, so November is epilepsy month so there is an epilepsy foundation i used to be part of the board of directors and everything else i really got kind of lazy with a bunch of stuff so i don't do that anymore but so be it and if you do have any questions or concerns 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 let's see if we can get a call in before we go to break rich is across the river hi rich actually i'm uh, surprisingly rich, are I'm you there dropping. yes can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I'm surprisingly, based on your last commercial, I'm actually stopping at St. Louis U to see my dad. Oh, really? Um, hey, uh, I had a, uh, I have a couple 12 by 12 raised gardens with a awesome uh, tomato crop this year, and I'm wondering about uh, crop rotation and or a good prep for next year. Basically, get all those tomatoes out of there. So any dead, you know, any of them that have been frosted, killed, or anything, just get rid of those. Get rid of the entire root system because a lot of times tomatoes are, can be very prone to all kinds of different diseases, as you know. I don't know which varieties you grew, but in the future, you know, when you select your variety of tomatoes, make sure it has like three initials after the name. And other than just turning the soil over, that's about all you have to do after you get the existing tomato plants out of there. That's really pretty much it. You can add an inch or two of compost in when you turn the soil over, and that's and just leave it sort of sit through the entire wintertime. How do you feel about uh, aged uh, horse manure compost? Uh, horse manure, I'm a little bit – if it's totally aged, that's fine. Horses only have one stomach, so sometimes seeds can pass through – the, their stomach and come out, and even if it's aged, it may not be aged enough to get rid of the seeds. You know, so you may be inoculating your bed space. I'm not saying you are, but it is something to certainly consider. Where cows have three different stomachs, and that's why cow manure is a little bit better for what you're talking about, because you know the sort of the chemistry of the three different stomachs has a greater tendency to kill the weeds or the any kind of seed. It doesn't have to be weed seeds, more so than a horse. But if you want to use it, sure, that's fine. Yeah, but weeding is great therapy, so <laughs> we all love that. <laughs> Mental therapy and physical. That's right. Nobody bothers you while you're weeding. They That's leave you very true. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, thanks, Rich. And Mike Miller, KM Morris Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Let's go to Joanne's house, and she lives in Staunton, Illinois. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Hi. My question is on hydrangeas. I planted two bushes three years ago. I'm trying so hard. I, I love those bushes, mm -hmm. probably favorite. The green is healthy as can be. The leaves are healthy. The it, bushes look great. Last year, I don't think they had a bloom at all. This year, one bush had one bloom way down underneath almost where it couldn't even develop. <laughs> and the other one had four, that pink variety. Right. They all came almost at the same time, early to midsummer. There are actually those four still on there. That's the only four that came. I don't know what I'm 
not doing or doing. Uh, basically, what have, how, how big were these plants when you bought them? Oh, just yeah. typical, like from the flower shop, probably two feet in the pot at the tallest point. Yeah, it may be age-wise as much as anything. So if you're seeing sort of an increase in the blooming, also don't do any pruning on them whatsoever, except in the springtime, cut anything off, any stems that don't have any kind of a, you know foliage coming out on them. And just basically leave them alone. If they're in the, the right location and they got the right soil for them, then it's you know it's an age factor as much as anything. And don't prune. People really mess up the hydrangeas by pruning out of sequence, and that can really cause some major trouble related to flowering. I don't think I did anything to them last fall. So then I, it, I don't think I did because this spring there were all those dead like sticks right. sticking up. And I thought part of the growth comes out of those sticks, but Sometimes. all my growth came out of the ground. Well, this may be variety-wise, too. Some of the older kind of varieties that are the pinks and the blues, you know, the sticks, you know, don't survive the wintertime. We had a mild winter. So just, you know, leave it alone. Don't do anything. You know, go to your favorite but gardens. Don't, don't cut the frostbite off. Just leave them no, you they're, can they're cut possible. anything that doesn't come out with any leaves in the springtime. Cut those off because aesthetically they're just problematic. But, uh, Not now, I mean. It's oh. been frostbitten, so just leave it. Leave like it. That. Yes. Leave everything okay. just okay. as it is. And then in the spring, t- in the springtime, go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have some hydrangeas, and see what kind of fertilizer they recommend that they have you know, in stock for hydrangeas. Well, one did, I, I guess the beginning of last year, had me get this acid-type. Right fertilizer and i sprinkled that around the around the like where the root would be okay so okay well i was unsure if i right now was supposed to take those down because the the leaves are ruined from the frost or let them sit yeah just leave them alone they're going to look ugly but that's you know that way maybe you can get these things kind of back in or get them in sequence that came were beautiful they're big it just got them at one time, didn't get any more. Right. So. Well, some varieties of hydrangeas do that. Some of them are continuous bloomers, the newer hybrids, but the old-time ones only bloom once. That's it. There's no more for the rest of the year. Uh, and they still would have sold those like three years ago? Of course. They still sell them sure. now. Oh, okay. It's, so, still, it's just a variety that's right, out there. Right, exactly. Okay. So you have to make sure you get one that's a continuous bloomer so it will keep re-blooming through the entire summertime. Okay, thank you so much. I got one other quick question. I have two knockout roses in pots, in big pots. Mm-hmm. Should that survive the winter like that, or do I need to take them in or get them into the ground? Well, you can leave them in the pots. You maybe uh, roll the dice. Who knows? I grow mine in pots too. And uh, the last, you know, last year I put them in the garage. I pruned them back, put them in the garage, and they were spectacular. This year I might leave since I have four. I might leave two of them out just to see what happens, and put two in the garage. And just you know, I have fairly large pots. You know, they're about eighteen inches to twenty inches yeah, mine across. Are too. They're big. Yeah. So you and then it's, the the basement is actually warm because of furnace. Oh, is it okay to put them in there, or or are they bet the garage 
is not even attached where I am, so it'd be as cold as outside. Well, if you don't, that's okay. They want the cold. Just make sure you don't sit them on the floor. So get some, you know, a plastic shelf or something like that. To set them up off the floor, but definitely not in the basement. Any water? Uh, about once a month, go out there with a gallon of water. Great. Okay, great. Those are two questions that I hadn't come across before and wasn't sure. All right, great. Okay, thank you so much for your help. Sure, good luck with that. And now let's go to Anthony, and he's in Overland. Hi, Anthony. Hi, how you doing, Mike? Good. Uh, and for one thing, I'm one of the callers that was listening to you when you had your little episode. I never forget it. I'll never, I'll never forget it. <laughs> it seemed like you fell off your chair. I did. <laughs> I thought you did. I tell people that. I remember the time. Anyway, but it's not a question. It's a comment. I had bought a Japanese red maple blood good, and uh, you know, it wasn't a cheap one. It wasn't a thirty dollars maple. It was it was a little expensive. It was a place I don't want to say the name because maybe you shouldn't do that. But it was a nice nursery, and I only had about thirty leaves on it at the time. But now I got about two hundred dark ruby red leaves on it. Right. So I must have did something right. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, absolutely. So. You know, you sort of saved this plant from a bad destiny and made it, like, to be a champion. Wow, wow. Okay, I get the tip of the trial, I think. Absolutely. All right, everybody. <laughs> Take care. Sure. Yeah, you never know. I mean, a lot of people rescue plants that, you know, for me, I kind of look if I'm going to buy something. You know, rather than trying to rescue something, I don't do that. I just find something that I think is going to be more robust at the very beginning. But there's plenty of people that do save plants from... Bad destiny. So, in other words, the compost pile. Steve lives in Fenton. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. Um, appreciate it, Mike. Um, I've had an ongoing problem for years and years, really, ever since I've been in this house, and that is trying to establish a, a nice, thick lawn. My lawn uh, seems to always thin out over the over the year, but and by the fall, you've I've just got real thinned out grass. I've got grass, you know, pretty much everywhere, but it's very thin to where I can, you know, often see the ground in between the plants. Right. It's just, I, you know, I've done the reseeding in the fall and the fertilizing, and I just can't seem to solve this issue. Any thoughts on what could be, you know, my... What could be causing that? Probably it's heavy-duty clay soil as much as anything. it is. It definitely is. So, and lawn does not grow on heavy-duty clay soil. It just doesn't. There's no getting around it. It doesn't matter. Even K31, which is the toughest fescue, it doesn't have great success on heavy-duty, you know, clay soils. Uh, Mm. You know, start with the core aeration where they come out with a machine, pull plugs out of the ground, follow that with a composting. You do that right as you're seeding. And do the best thing to do if you're going to... Now, first of all, also, do you have a bunch of trees in your yard? I do have a lot of trees. Well, yeah, see, you're probably never... Probably too many, but I do have a lot of trees. Yeah, so you're never going to... With the clay soils and the tree roots, you're never going to have a thick lawn. It's impossible. Mm, okay. I mean, seriously. You can go to the botanical garden and walk underneath, you know, the areas that are shaded, that are lawned, and mm. you can look down, and it's not thick. And they core aerate twice a year. They overseed twice a year. At least that's what they used to do, and it's not thick. And especially okay. at the end of the summertime, you know, even if you, you know, even if you've done everything just right, irrigation-wise, and all that other stuff, it's just not going to happen. Hmm. Well, it seems to be a pretty widely, dis- you know, even in areas that aren't heavily shaded, I have the same issue, and I have been aerating 
pretty regularly the last six or seven years, but I haven't been doing the composting. Yeah. I just recently switched over to using Espoma uh, products instead of the you know commercial salt-based uh, products, but right. I, I could go with the uh, spreading the compost out. Yeah, that will help. What that does, your soil feeds your plants, but sure. still realize that if you have a lot of trees and the tree roots go beyond the drip line, so as furthest extension of the branches, so there, are, that's where the feeder roots are. So that's, I mean, that's the battle zone. So they're, yeah, they're they're competing for all those nutrients. Absolutely, and, and look at the size of a tree versus the size of a grass plant. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much not an even match, is it? Right, it'd be like me, you know, battling Hulk Hogan when he was younger, you know, in the yeah. wrestling match. It just wouldn't, you know, there was nothing I could do. I've tried different varieties of fescue, yeah. and, you know, the, the supposedly drought-resistant types. So what the, what's the house in our area in that type of soil, bluegrass versus fescue? Is fescue still the the best bet? Or? Absolutely. I mean, bluegrass is, has a very, very difficult time. Fescue at least has a genetic history of being from this region with okay. the K31. But, yeah, forget the bluegrass and always do a blend. Don't do one type of variety. I just started recently converting over to that uh, yeah. philosophy. I, that makes sense. Okay. All right. I, uh, how would how I get a hold of you to, uh, to have you come out and do your lawn uh, walkthrough thing? Uh, basically, just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my phone number and email address. Okay. Is it M-I-L-L-E-R? Yep. Okay. Mike Miller Designs with an S on the word designs. Okay. Great. Okay. Good luck. Thanks a lot. Yep. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Chris Kerber with you here, and it's a Saturday night hockey night in St. Louis tonight. The Blues at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pre-game at 5.30, face-off at 6 on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions or concerns about your yard, your landscape, or your house plants? Ooh, the guy that had, I think it was a ficus tree, I can't remember, but covered with scale. Ugh. Yes, he sprayed the dormant oil, but wipe all that scale off, too, because you don't know. Some of the scales on, you know, you could miss... And then it could be a female, lay the eggs, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Dan lives in Litchfield, Illinois. Hi, Dan. Hi, Mike. I just, uh, am I talking to you? I just took it off speaker. Yeah, as far as I know, you are. Oh, great. I can hear you just fine. <laughs> Listen, the subject is redbud trees. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, my redbud tree last year, it's about been in the ground about five years, about 20 feet tall. Did fine. The big rounded leaves and a healthy crop of the beans. Right. This year, I tried to call you in the spring, but got tired of waiting one day. Um, the leaves never got more than, oh, maybe three inches in diameter. And the, the leading edge of the leaf looked like it had died. And so that when the leaf did try to grow, it cupped a little. And the leaves never got bitter, bigger than, say, two to three inches in diameter, and the tree never looked healthy, but it's still alive, and it made it through the summer. All the rest of the redbud trees in my neighborhood, about a three-block area, look very much the same. At first, I thought maybe I had over-applied a broadleaf to try to knock back the violets in my lawn, and it had impacted the tree. But now this fall... 
I've been around, and almost every redbud tree in the neighborhood looks exactly the same. Is there some sort of a small, uh, not really visible to the naked eye insect working on the leading edge of those leaves, or, or have you heard of this before? I've ha- not heard of it, but to me it sounds like weather, especially if everybody in your neighborhood, the redbuds are doing the same thing. So just as the buds were coming out with the foliage, you had a you know just a cold snap, you know, and it could... Yep. could and that's probably what happened more so than related insects or anything else. Redbuds okay. are fairly insect-free. And if there was an insect problem that affected that many redbuds, I don't know how many are in the three-block area of your neighborhood. Well, we're th- talking a dozen. Yeah, so it, that's the chance of that happening all at once is minimal. But so that, to me, sort of indicates it was just related to weather, cold snap, one night or whatever, and that was it. Okay. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, we'll... we'll We'll hang in there and see what happens next spring, and I won't worry too much. I'll have to, if I don't hit the violets, uh, I'll have a violet lawn. So <laughs> I'll hit them again. Okay, enjoy your show, and thanks for grabbing my call. Sure, Appreciate and, you know, you could just take the philosophy of my father, anything that that is green is lawn. So we had violets, we had spring beauties, we had all kinds of stuff in our lawn, but he didn't really care. So thanks, Dan, and now let's go to Frank. Frank, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing fine. Uh, Mike, I got these flower pots with, uh, I grew over the summer geraniums in them. Each uh-huh. pot held about four or five geraniums. Now I'm wondering, can I take those out and put uh, tulip bulbs and crocus bulbs in there and keep them outside? That's what I'm doing. I've already done about half my pots, and when the show's over today, I'm headed home. I'm going to take down all the Halloween decorations. We left them on for you know an extra few days. Cut down yeah. the moonflower vines, which got you know snapped by the cold. But then I'm going to you know continue to fill my pots up with tulip bulbs and daffodil bulbs. So as long Excellent. as the pots are okay. big enough, make sure you don't put the bulb right next to the edge of the pot. But uh, I've had great success um, growing bulbs in pots for years. I even Good. do some in window boxes as well, you know, besides the larger pots, too. Great. Thank you, sir. Yep. Just make sure the potting mix you use is well-drained, you know, and once you get them planted, if you're doing daffodils, you want them down about six, you know, six or seven inches. Tulips, you want down about four to five. And crocus, you want down about one to two. Gotcha. All right. All right. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. And now let's go to Jim, and Jim is in St. Louis. Hi, Jim. Hey, how are we doing? Good. So I, I don't know if it's your area of expertise. I got a bunch of uh, carnivorous plants that I've been growing inside. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to make an outdoor garden. I just don't know climate and whether or not these animals are going to get to it. And if if it will survive outside, should I wait till after they're done with the dormancy? So you're talking about carnivorous plants. Correct. Like Venus flytraps and all that kind of stuff? I got a bunch of flytraps, some pinchers. I got some sundews. Yeah. It's kind of a mix from all over the world, and I'm not sure how they do here in Missouri. Well, if you put them outside, they'll be dead. They it's, would be. Yep, it's too cold. That was my thought. Okay. <laughs> I know they can handle light freeze, but right. all winter. So would they be okay wildlife um, in the, the spring and summer? Uh, they should be. You they know. should be. Yeah, because, I mean, they don't offer that much. I mean, they're generally all small, unless you're talking about a little shop of horrors, Audrey, feed me, uh-huh. feed me, you know, giant thing like that. But they're not really <laughs> yeah. that. So, yeah, I mean, that that's not to say something might not chew on them, but I can't see them being drawn to that. Well, okay, great. But probably not a good idea to have a whole outdoor garden. Right. 
<laughs> right. That was my fear, but I, I really love to see my side, but the climate won't do it. Yeah, just, I mean, I used to grow carnivorous plants too, but I grew them in pots and just, you know, set them out in the summer and then brought them in in the wintertime. And then I kind of, I don't want to say I got bored with it, but that's basically, I grow stuff for a period of time and then all of a sudden I just go, that's, you know, there's too many things to, yeah. you know, play with. So I started playing with something else. All right. Well, great. Appreciate it. Love your show, by the way. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. And Ken lives in Albers, Illinois. Hey, Ken, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Great. They have three questions. Uh, hibiscus. Uh, I got two potted hibiscus plants that I just got this year. Um, I'm assuming they have to come in for the winter. There are hardy varieties of hibiscus, like the Disco Bell, Disco Queen. They're the ones that have huge flowers on them, about six or eight inches across. Now, if this is a you know the more or less a tropical type that looks like a stalk and a tr- you know more or less a tree, then yes, they do have to come inside. Yes, one of them is a tree. It's kind of got the uh, intertangled. Oh, uh, the tw- yeah, yeah, the, the twisted, twisted trunk. Twisted. Right. Yeah, that's got to come in. That one has to come in. Yeah. yeah. The other one actually is a smaller version, um, something you get maybe uh, from a nursery or something. You know, we got it for a, a, a funeral. After the funeral, we got that as a gift. And it's a smaller one, so I'm assuming that has to come in as well. Yes. Yeah. So if the flowers were only, you know, if it did flower and the flowers only like, let's say, two to three inches across, those are tropical types. Those have to come in. Okay. Yeah, that's probably the size of those flowers. Okay. Second question, uh, the clematis. Um, I have one that's in a pretty big size pot, like a, like almost like a wine barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one I planted in the ground. So I'm assuming the one in the ground stays and you don't have to do anything with it. Right, and the one that's in the probably the whiskey barrel, you don't have to do anything with that either. It should be fine. We'll come back. Okay, good, because those are both new this year for right. me. So third question is, I have a weeping, I think it's a flowering cherry. It's been in the ground for about 10 years or so. It's it's up against the house, you know, all the limbs and stuff, and Ooh. I want to cut it. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's about 12 to 16 inches in diameter. I'm assuming that I have to basically take the whole thing down. There's no reason to cut it off at where branches off and let it regrow from there you know it's a grafted thing so there's three different things the root system and the trunk are separate from the let's say the the weeping part of the branching and if you know if it's that close to the house that was a bad choice on whoever planted it that close yeah you might as well just take it down because it's just going to cause you know problems in your gutters and everything else for a long period of time okay good deal all right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate yeah. your help. Well, thank you. And uh, I think Albers is where uh, Home Nursery, you know, has their big greenhouse system. So that's kind of a great horticultural area. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about nine minutes to go at 10 o'clock. Investing Sense with Bob Richards and Andy Smith. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, the Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the Business of the Family Business with Ryan Recker. And then 4 o'clock, the KMOX Auto Show with Greg Damon. Then the Blues are after that. Let's go to Roy, and Roy lives in Manchester. Hi, Roy. Good morning. I plant annuals in containers with a potting mix. Is it okay to save that from year to year, or should I use new mix at the beginning of the year? To me, unless some, to, 
I've used the same potting mix year after year after year. Unless I've grown something in a pot with this potting mix where it's been diseased, I get rid of that. But I don't understand this whole philosophy of getting rid of it year after year after year. Now, what I do is, you know, I dump it and store it in like Rubbermaid tubs in the wintertime. You don't necessarily have to do that. But I probably add about 20% new stuff each year with the existing stuff. And I, you know... I have had stuff for a long, long time. So I don't quite understand throwing it away every year. To me, that just doesn't make sense. Okay, thank you very much. So just reuse it because if it's potting mix, it's well-drained. You're going to have to be fertilizing whatever you're growing in it and anything else. So it just doesn't make any sense to throw it away. So thanks, Roy. And now let's go. Jeanette from South St. Louis. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about my compost pile. I have a small compost pile, and this year I have lots of roly-poly bugs Mm -hmm. in it. I'd like to know if this is harmful, and if so, what might have caused this, and how can I get rid of them? Uh, Probably you maybe threw, like, some vegetables and all that kind of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably why the roly-polies are there. But they're everywhere anyway. They don't really do all that much damage. They mainly consume dead stuff. So, in other words, if you use this compost in the ground with other things, uh, they're not going to eat the plants that are alive that you're trying to grow. Okay, so don't worry about them. No, I mean okay. they're kind of you know they're a little bit you know icky. They're creepy, right? Right, but the worst than that would be slugs and snails. I mean, you talk oh. about really creepy. Yeah, this is roly poly, yeah, very so. definitely. So okay, thank no you. No big deal. Yep. And now let's go to Paul in Wildwood. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Hi. Uh, Mike, I've got a 35-year-old pin oak that that began dropping its leaves in, like, July or August of this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, a tree service was out. They recommended fertilizing. And I'm just wondering uh, what my next best step is. Uh, Should I have an arborist out? Should I go ahead with the fertilizing? Should I wait till next spring to see what happens? Well, probably at least this year. I don't know about the fertilizing. I don't know what kind of fertilizer they're using, but I would do something or have a tree service do something called deep root feeding. So in other words, they're going to go about halfway out from the uh, trunk to the end of the branches. Then they're going to have an auger drill bit and auger holes about uh, six or eight inches you know, deep and about two feet apart and do a concentric circle. Then go out another foot. So to me, it sounds like you know the the sort of the soil is not really conducive to the overall health of the of your tree. So you're feeding the soil by doing that. So after you auger these holes, then you backfill those holes with compost. Okay. And the fertilizer fertilizer is more cosmetic. I you know I like fertilizer. I use a lot of fertilizers. But if you're growing medium, whether it's soil in the ground or in pots or whatever it happens to be, if it's not good adequate, the fertilizing sometimes doesn't make you know it doesn't compensate for that. So it's kind of like you know, putting grease in your hair, you can change your hair to a certain point, but you're not putting, you know, you're not doing anything for the overall health of it. And that's why feeding the soil is always primary for me, whether it's potting mix or soil in the ground. Okay, very good. I'll proceed with that then. Great. Good luck with that. And there's nothing wrong with fertilizing, but that's, you know, that's secondary to getting a good, healthy soil. Carrie, how are you today? Fine, thanks. 
I am looking to transplant some black-eyed Susans. Is it best to do it in the spring or in the fall? Uh, if you get it done pretty quickly, you can still do it now. But we're kind of getting near the end of the time to do it because you want to get them acclimated. So, in other words, the root system reestablished before it gets too severely cold. Because okay. what happens is newly planted things, whether it's out of a pot or transplanted, we're going to have this freeze-thaw circumstance. And what this freezing and thawing, so in other words, cold, then warm, then cold, then warm, it can heave plants up out of the ground and prevent the root systems from getting established, the root hairs and everything else, and that can impact how healthy they're going to be for the wintertime, consequently what they're going to do the following year. Okay. So you can do it or you can wait until next spring. It's up to you. It wouldn't be actually spring, though, because you can't even see the plants in spring. Well, you can mark where they are. Oh, good. That's a good thought. Okay. I'll do that. You I mean, have a good day. Yeah, I mean, even with just a popsicle stick or something. But like, a, let's say something like purple coneflower, they are evergreen, so the foliage stays above the ground all you know all winter long, so they're easy mm-hmm. to do. So get rid of yeah. those black-eyed Susan and get purple. No, just use popsicle <laughs> sticks. I have both, actually. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yep, and Ted's going to be our last caller of the day. Ted, how are you today? Well, pretty good, Roger. Uh, just I should say, uh, Mike, uh, I'm trying to call in regard to uh, i got a spot up around Pierre Marquette Park, and we just uh, noticed we got uh, areas around the uh, uh, the home. It's starting to it's, it's kind of vegetated with, like, uh, uh, wood growth, but we come up with uh, some great big mushrooms about the size of small basketballs. And there's two or three of them here, and then about six or eight feet away, there's two or three more. And it's quite a uh, kind of shock to us. We don't know what they are. I was just curious if you could tell me what, what's happening here. Basically, th- what you're describing sounds like a puffball. So it is a type of fungus mushroom, but all, regardless of what type it is, they only grow on dead stuff. So there's dead roots there. Why the puffballs are growing there and not morel mushrooms or whatever else it happens to be, I mean, it's just the soil chemistry and all that other stuff. But usually with these puffballs also, if you step, because we had some, I grew up in West County and there was puffballs around. We love to kick them because it's sort of like the spores would be this dust stuff. But it doesn't really, you know, if the spores land in some other place and there's not something dead for them to grow on, then they're not going to you know, be problematic. So you've got, you know, this circumstance sounds like puffballs. Look on the Internet to see if it is puffballs. But uh, it's just because there's dead root systems or dead whatever underneath the ground, and that's what they're growing off of. They're not going to affect any kind of living plant root systems or any kind of living plants at all. Okay, I appreciate the information. It kind of gives me a little bit to go on. Then. Yeah, okay. right. So, yeah, just P-U-F-F. Just look at puffballs on the Internet, see if I, you know, I got it right, or just take a picture of it and take it to your favorite garden center. You know, okay, and find you. out for sure. Yeah, Pierre Marquette, that's a great park for sure. I mean, we just... We, right around the edge of it, right? Yeah. So. Okay, super. Thanks a lot. Yep, don't worry about it. Just take it easy. And for everybody else, this, as I said earlier in the show, this is a time to make sure that you keep everything cleaned up and minimize the potential for any kind of diseases, insects, and stuff like that. And definitely do not let the leaf debris build up. Keep cutting your grass leaf debris on long-bladed grasses, that's just, you know, you're asking for a fungus problem. So don't do it. And because we've got bad enough circumstances related to fungus here anyway, so do everything you can physically do. 
And be sure and take time to enjoy the color. This has been spectacular. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. A proud partner of the 2018 100 PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club. KMOX, KMOX HD, St. Louis. KZK HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.